is the Eminem Planet Podcast, episode 59. I'm your host, Joel Ambedon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Daniel Myrick. He is a teacher in the Quitman County School District. He is also uh, affiliated with the Reclaim Project, but you're going to learn about the Reclaim Project throughout this episode. And he's a longtime friend and collaborator and been trying to think about a way to get him on the podcast. I think he's got a lot of the great things to share. So he mentioned this book, The Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And for those longtime listeners to the podcast, I used to talk about Jocko a lot. The first episode of this podcast was episode triple zero, where we talked about the dis- uh, discipline equals freedom field manual by Jocko Willink, where the answer is known or the answer is now of when to start the podcast. Cause it was just like, all right, learning from that book was just do it. Let's get it going. You're not going to learn by just sitting still. So thankful for that. Thankful for the learnings. I also had another episode with uh, Gary Williams where we talked about the first book uh, from Leif and Jocko uh, called Extreme Ownership. Again, we'll touch on that in this episode. So great guest, great person, great friend, great book, and just a good combination. So if you have not read the book, either Extreme Ownership or The Dichotomy of Leadership or The Defense Equals Freedom Field Manual, I think they're all great. Um, go go to that local bookstore. Hit them up. Because you know what? No matter how detailed we get in this podcast or not, it's not going to be as good as you reading the book for yourself. So go to that local bookstore, pick it up, support those local bookstores, and yeah, read a great text and think about how you can apply it to your own teaching. So that's enough uh, enough pre-episode stuff. Let's get into my conversation with Daniel Myrick. Daniel Myrick, thank you for joining me on an uh, episode of the Amadon Planet Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. I know. So uh, we, we talked about this. We talked about, hey, do you know any books that you'd like to talk about? And you're like, hey, do you, you know about the book Dichotomy of Leadership and from Jocko Willink? And I'm like, you know what? The only reason this podcast exists is because I, <laughs> of Jocko. And the first episode was about Jocko. So, yes, uh, I, I know about this book. This is a great book. This is actually, a, I think, a pretty good book to talk about with teaching. But before we get into it, let's, uh, let's talk about you. Who, who are you, Daniel? <laughs> um, well, I... Um... And a lot of different things, I guess. I'm yes, pretty mediocre, <laughs> mediocre at all the different things. No, uh, no, no, no. We can't start uh, with that. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, if my wife here, I guess she could say maybe I was a, a mediocre husband. We can start with that. And uh, But she's also my coworker in a ministry that we run called the Reclaim Project. And we are in the Mississippi Delta, specifically in Marks, uh, which is um 50 minutes west of oxford um so we uh we graduate we both graduated from the university of mississippi and i drove you know 45 50 minutes down the road and started working as a teacher and from there we um we formed a ministry uh where we recruit teachers who work in the public school and so we said what if we could create a model where we make it attractive to build out um christian community and and then recruit certified qualified teachers and and place them into the public school where we had a relationship with the school district and in a place of high need right and so uh, we house them 
Um, we make a low, low cost of living because we all know that as teachers, we don't, we don't make a lot of money. And so the more money we can keep, uh, um, the better. And it's just, we're deserving of keeping all the money that we can. Uh, and, and from that, we, we build a bridge into a community where we're getting relationships with coworkers, uh, parents and kids. And then we get to build out programming to love and, and maybe give them some exposure that they may not, they may not get, um, before that. Um, and so I'm from Mississippi. I've never lived outside of Mississippi. Um, and just for, a uh, a preface, I've never been in the military, but man, you know, the more I listen to Jocko, uh, man, if something were to happen, I might just, I might just need to sign up. Uh, and so, um, uh, I have zero military experience, but I think it does not only di- directly connect to teaching, but also, um, just your everyday life and encounters with people, which I think is just so applicable. Um, and so nice to have to think through very strategic things that are practical, uh, that help you in everyday relationships. Yeah. Well, and just a frame of reference too, we had Drew Hall on the podcast a long time ago now, but it was talking about one of the novels that he was teaching in his classroom. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes um, that he's a part of the Reclaim Project and he he's a co-worker with you in, in the uh, in the Quitman County School District. And and the thing is, what, what I like about you, Daniel, and what you and Kendall have been doing is you, you actually are doing it. So like, you know, like um, the faith thing, it's you i i I hold my faith pretty close um like trying to do things that that i feel called to do and i actually seen seeing what you all are doing out there seeing what um seeing the things that you're um you've like said hey this this is actually the hands and feet and we're going to go and do things within the community like actually seeing it being done like it's it's a fun it's fun to be fun to observe it fun to see it fun to even get a chance to participate in it at times um and you're doing it you're doing actually you're doing it. So I, that's, that's why that I'm sorry. I appreciate about you and what y'all are doing. Can I, reclaimed. And can I add to that? Yeah, just absolutely. A, just a, a dream. I'm just imagining educators listening to this podcast and like, I just kind of want to pitch a dream. Like what if we get really good at building teacher community and really good at recruiting and building relationships with individual school districts that might be difficult to build with. Right. And, um, and we start placing teachers like in like, Hey, who cares if we have a, a teacher crisis, right? Like we're st- there's teachers out there that want to work with these types of students. And so like, let's go out and get them and then make it, make it cheaper for them to live. Right. Like, so how do we privately help a public school and, you know, and then kind of remove a lot of distrust of where money goes or anything like that, because we're just making it cheaper for them to live. We're building out programming for them to be successful and then, man, we really start to see these struggling schools get a little bit of help. Not that we can change the whole hand in all these different little communities because Marks, you know, is like, we'll say, well, how big is Marks? Well, there's a thousand kids in the school district, right? And so then you multiply that out by all the little other school districts that have a thousand kids. That's a lot of kids in Mississippi that, that we can serve really well. And I, I fortunately now I'm a part-time teacher. I, I taught five years and now I'm in my sixth year, but I teach, I go to the school about three hours a day in the afternoon. And, but the other parts of my day are planning uh, ministry, but also supporting the teachers that we have. And like, I get to go sit in their classrooms and I'm watching, you know, these teachers just go at it, you know, and work so hard on their lessons and they're from fifth grade social studies to ninth grade biology, 
um, to uh, gifted for middle school uh, to upperclassmen ACT, you know, and like um, it's just really neat to get to see the many impacts. And, um, you know, the teacher is just the most influential person someone yeah. could have, you know. Yeah. Teachers are powerful. I mean, that's one thing we're noticing. We, if you have a, somebody tell their, talk about the relationship with content is always about teachers talk, talk about the relationship with, um, with how they're just succeeding in the world. Usually there's a teacher at that basis there. And, it, and when I say powerful, they can be powerful in the positive and negative. And that's why like having building up teachers and, and being able to support them. And when they're having, you know, tough days and, and that's, we have this, we had this conversation with our, uh, uh, math methods uh, the other day where my graduate assistant said, Hey, it's okay to cry. And it's okay to cry sometime. And you think like how many people actually have a job where they care so much that they get emotional about it. And the, and the fact is you're going to have the bad days and the good days. And I just was listening to Jocko uh, Willink on a podcast about this book and talking about his time in the military and time in action. It's like the, the hardest days of his life were there, but also the best days. Cause you think about what you're doing in community and that's, that's a cool thing. You'd see that also in the, in the education world uh, as well. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, you know, anything, any career choice that allows you to give your all to people um, is really going to pull that out of you. Right. And like, that's, that's what I think, I think humans really want. Right. And there we're really searching for how do we, how do we get, put ourselves in that position, you know, um, and so like, for example, we, um, uh, we are, we, we found out this teacher is wanting to move back to Mark's, uh, or she's from Darling, Mississippi. Shout out to Darling. Um, she lives in New York. She is a children's minister and, but she's from the Quitman County area and she's been in New York for the last 25 years and said, Hey, I want to come back. And she came and visited, uh, some of her cousins that work at the school with me and they came and introduced us and we hit it off and we got to show her our, our teacher housing. She's like, man, this is really cool. Like I didn't know if any of this has happened. This is worth me moving back to New York. And like, even though she works at this very large church, she's like, okay. Uh, and she gets to work with kids, but now she's like, I just want to go be in this English for classroom. And wow. she's, she's actually moving in in December. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So she's coming back from New York. We're getting her room fixed up yesterday and she'll move in the end of this month. And then she, that's all she could talk about. She's like, Hey, everything, you know, programming, all that stuff's great. I just got to figure out how to do this English, you know, English for class. Right. And she knows she's now learned the importance of how do you zoom in with the small so you can go deep, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's great news. So yeah. we're going to post a link to, uh, to the reclaim project so people can learn more about it. We're also going to have talking about an opportunity later that people can have to support from wherever they're at. But, um, let's let's get into talking about this book the dichotomy of leadership by jocko willink and leif babin and so yeah. one if you've ever heard these guys one uh leif babin sounds like um uh will arnett from the batman lego movies <laughs> the way he talks and jocko sounds like if you're if you think about like a navy seal that's um a black belt in jujitsu and you know deadlifts every morning at 4 a.m you you kind of and you know you can't imagine what Jocko looks like. He, his I think kids he are probably running Tom. His kids are probably running Tom Miles at the <laughs> age of seven. That's right. That's right. Yeah, one of his sons is named Thor. It's great, fantastic. So, um, and they had an, a very successful first book called Extreme Ownership, 
Um, we did a, po- I did a podcast with uh, Gary Williams, um, great friend. Uh, that was way long ago. That might've been in the episode, the single digit episodes. So now we're talking about the dichotomy of leadership, which was kind of almost a response. So they have a leadership company where they put all these principles that of extreme ownership, where it's like, you, you know, the leader has ultimate ownership over everything. And they have some other principles that they had within like cover and move and um, keep it simple, like some other things that they had in that book. And then they would go try to implement it with companies. And then they see like, people weren't seeing the nuance. And so the nuance of some of those things and taking things, even though it was extreme ownership, they were taking extreme, extreme ownership, almost like extreme squared. And so this book, uh, they say can be a standalone book, but really is a response to their work with that. And it really goes well. If you've read extreme ownership, this is a great, like, um, second step with that. I always think, and Daniel, I'm going to see if, if this makes any sense to you, there was radios back in the day, they had a big tuning knob and then a smaller tuning knob. Did you ever have one of those? Um, yeah, but they have microscopes are like that too. Oh, right? fa- so like, hey. I'm a science teacher. You have your course adjustment knob and your fine adjustment knob. This okay, great, great. So this feel this uh, dichotomy of leadership. This feels like the fine adjustment knob. What do you think? Inverse yeah, extreme ownership is like the big yeah. one. Yeah, I think it'd almost be important to kind of just briefly, you know, talk about maybe why they had to make this book, right? Because like, go for it, you do it. Um, so one, um, my like I said, I have no military experience, but my my brother's like, hey, you got to listen to this guy. It's like basically like, like not, I mean, not that I don't know that he's anti-Christian. He just doesn't talk about any kind of faith. I don't know if he has it or doesn't, but like my brother's like, Hey, this is like the best non-faith leadership that you can get. Right. He's like, I love this podcast, love his books. You should try it out. I'm like, okay, big brother, I'll listen, you know? And uh, so I just started listening like, and it's just incredible how they extract all of their jobs and relationships in the military. And it fits so perfectly into the business world. And that was what formed their company. And, um, and then like it caught fire. Right. So like people were like, Oh yes, I can take ownership of all the, my, my company's failures. Right. And then, so they're like on fire. Like we, we're going to go into war with these tactics. And then now they're like, okay, we don't want to peel them back. Right. Because you got to be default aggressive. And, um, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta have that, that nuance of being able to understand the dichotomy. Right. And so like, it's almost and almost, you know, and maybe my critique later would be like almost the feeling of like, that it's impossible. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you're on the tightrope, you're on a tightrope, you know, right. and like too far to the left causes this problem and too far to the right causes this problem, you know, but I think, I think. Uh, maybe this path, maybe like some, some sign or, or cosine, you yeah, know, uh-huh. um, of crossing that line, the more you can tighten that up. Like that's kind of the picture of our lives with in relationships to people. Yeah. Um, does that analogy kind of make sense? No, that, yeah. I like that. The, I like that. I've heard Andy Stanley, a great pastor out of Atlanta. He talks about, um, is it attention to manage or attention to eliminate? And it's like, there's ne- you're never going to eliminate this leadership to him, like, Oh, I'm just going to go just, this is it always going to, you know, default aggressive, just take every or ownership. I'm taking ownership of every single thing that happens. Well, all that sort of thing, that tension of, no, there's some things like you're saying the weaving back and forth is like, I'm going to have to 
I can't take everything on. I can't, you know, be default aggressive on everything. So that, yeah, there is this constant tension just, but that needs to be managed. And I think this gives us some guidelines for how to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so kind of some simple ta- tactics like default aggressive, you know, and like a lot of times I, I probably struggle with default aggressive because I want to sit back and I don't want to take a risk. Right. Uh, Jocko might call me risk averse would be some of his lingo yeah, that yeah. he uses. Like, like, and risk is okay. Like there's, he's not saying don't plan. Right. But he's saying you need to be default aggressive and that's in your classroom with people. And that's not like aggressive in the sense of be rude or overbearing or anything like that. It's just aggression. Default aggressive means like be ready to take action faster. Right. You know, um, and which means you need to plan faster. Um, so there's that, um, extreme ownership is, um, probably like the best thing, right? Cause you can, you can diffuse almost any re- issue with extreme ownership. You know, Joel comes to me and he says, you know, Daniel, I don't think you did a good job, you know, helping me with this. And instead of saying, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're right. Like I, I didn't spend the amount of time prepping for that. And I'm not going to let it happen again. Like Joel's probably not going to keep, you're not going to keep coming at me. Right. Like, right. Uh, it's like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then you can actually like let the dust settle and then figure out a solution. Um, and so that's, that's really neat. And the last one um, is cover and move. And I think this is like the most applicable one in the classroom. Right. Um, because sometimes in the classroom, especially starting out, you're under fire. Right. And it's not the best time to, throw out your lesson plan and just start over right then because you're taking, you're taking shots, you know? And so cover, like you got to figure out where the, where the, where's the issue coming from? Where are the, in the military, where's the bullets coming from? So then you know where to actually cover. Right. And then you devise a plan to move. And then that allows you to get out of immediate danger and shift and then be able to be default aggressive back into figuring out how to get your students to where you want them to go when it didn't go, when your plan didn't go right. You know, well, even to push more on that is like, that's also too with, if I'm in the classroom and I'm having stress, like the cover and move too is, Hey, I might need to get some sort of uh, way of moving forward from somebody. I need to collaborate. I need to, you know, I'm not going to have all the solutions because I'm new at this thing. I need to go talk to maybe the, the, the expert down the hall who's been doing this for a while that has a little, like, you know, can offer me a little bit of cover so I can figure out, Hey, how do I, how do I get this thing going? And so having that sort of collaboration too, because in the military is like someone puts down some fire and then the other person moves and like cover like we're going to move back and forth. So that collaboration aspect as well. So, you know, taking on these challenges uh, as a group is, is great as well. And, and so you're kind of getting at like the way that the book is laid out is, I mean, they basically use war stories from their time in task unit bruiser in uh, right. the battle for Ramadi in Iraq. And they've laid out these stories that highlight a principle then they describe the principle and then they describe this principle in a business situation. So the life and, and just hearing them talk about it, like the life and death sort of aspect of it allows it to be um, just clarified because it's, it's life and death, right? You, like if this doesn't happen, someone is going to be hurt. Someone's going to get injured. Someone might even be killed. Right. And so, and, and even some of the stories like that actually does happen. 
And so there's those stories and then they have the principle that they describe and then they, they lay it out in the, uh, uh, in the business scenario. So what were some, so moving into high five, what are some learnings that you've extracted from this book? Well, I, I had a conversation this week. So I'm this, this year I'm, I'm learning how to coach. How do I coach teaching? Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm far from an expert teacher. Like I spent five years in the grind. So I have experience and it's still very close to me because it didn't happen long ago. So I'm not far removed from my struggle. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I did grow a lot and become a much, much better teacher, you know, and be able to build relationships with students faster. Um, um, so this week I'm like, okay, what is the appropriate way to coach? Like, it's easy to make a list of like, okay, I sat in your classroom. You could have done this here. You could have done this here and you could have done this here and you've been less tired at the end of the day. Right. And then all they, all they might hear is, oh, well, that's impossible. I'm just <laughs> making myself miserable. Thanks. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, but also like the reason that there's so much, um, tug of war is because it's the dichotomy of how do you give your all for every individual student, but then how do you give your all for the overall mission? Mm -hmm. And that was what, that was almost like the big picture of this book, right? Because that's really hard because those, the dichotomy is that they come in conflict with each other, right? Like what happens when, you know, in the military sense, like, you, because uh, in Ramadi was when I think we first lost our, the first uh, casualty for a Navy SEAL, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, well, what do you do with that? Like you give your all for that, that person, that person's family, but then also you have to keep, and so the, the story they gave was um, the Navy SEALs were called in to help, um, um, I think the, the unit was called Bulldog and it was like a, it was an army yeah, yeah. It was an army group. And so they would get called in for support uh, of the army. Right. And so you could make the argument, well, I don't want to send my seals in because we're not going to go help seals. Right. We're putting ourselves at risk for other people. And so um, the balance is I'm putting my own at risk while trying to complete this mission. And so it's like, well, we have to cover our mission and we have to cover the love and care and safety of our people. And, um, a lot of times I think going into teaching, I thought that those two would probably just be the same. Right. Um, but as I got into teaching, like, um, the way I saw discipline kind of, kind of realized like, okay, I have to discipline this child, you know, and give discipline and structure in my classroom to help me get to the mission. Right. Um, but like, I can't always be, always be worried about, when I address that kid, like, Oh, what are they going to think about me? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's like, because they're still a part of the mission. Right. And I would, I would say that is like the hardest thing. And like nothing that we say on this podcast about leadership isn't like, Oh, that's easy. That's perfect. Got it. Check. <laughs> yeah. Or as Jocko would say, check, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, just the battle of like, well, when I start being, more straightforward and kind of work on a, a stronger teacher voice and being more direct. Like, well, what if, what if they don't like me? What if I'm severing my relationship ties? Right. And so the more you kind of get in that world, the less focused you can possibly be on the mission of growing, growing, um, their education and also 
with your principals and your school districts when you're state tested teacher and you're talking about data or, or whatever else. And so it's just hard. Um, yeah. like there's no, there's no perfect way to put that besides it is hard to balance those two, which is why he started he decided to kind of address that first. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, I was just thinking of the, I mean, it's kind of like the whole book is this whole, whole idea about embracing balance and knowing that there's extremes. I mean, just from my experience as a math teacher, like you see the struggle with people have like, Oh, what's the role of calculators in class? Like never any calculators, but then like, Oh, you should always have a, cal-. I mean, like there's nuance there. Like you don't, yeah, calculators are handy and like you can use some things with it, but like you want them to be using them all the time when the kids are just even learning how to put two numbers together and think about that versus, or like the, you know, a lot of things about like standard algorithms. Standard algorithms great, it works every time I use, I use it. But then if you don't have a foundation for how it works, well then, what are you gonna? Then you're 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 missing some number sense, right? And so I'm even thinking about uh, what what actually are you doing with that algorithm, and so like the absolutes around no, no algorithm, no calculator or yes, all the time. And then like, but there, there is nuance there. That's the boring nerdy one. But I mean, just thinking about like, we need to be able to play around in that, in that middle space a little bit. And like, you know, in developing like, well, the reason why you're doing something has to come by. So like, I have these principles, I have these principles, but like, if I understand why I'm doing something, and again, and that it becomes, and oh, that was another one that one of his principles was um, it's distributed. Uh, what, what is the, come on, Danny, help me out. It's like, um, it's like distributed command, but do you know what I mean? The decentralized uh, command. Decentralized command. Yes. Yeah, so like, that one. yeah. So it's like, you can like release control of things like, and so knowing like, does a kid understand like when it might be best to use a calculator, when it might not be, or when, if I'm leading someone in my my teaching and thinking of like, well, how detailed do we need to be in, in certain things? Well, if there's a common understanding of what the point is of something, then they can understand, oh, this is level of detail should suffice for this task or whatever. So anyway, what's another learning that you had? Um, yeah. So I think um, he goes into depth about this one and I don't know that the exact fancy terminology for this one, but basically the, the dichotomy of, being adaptable and being rigid in your planning. Right. Mm, so like, yeah. and the, the military training example was that he had these two awesome leaders, one being late and this other guy being, uh, I think of his name, but um, basically from the same place, same training, um, same kind of military experience, but one to the T he like the seals have all these certain calls um, and directions when they're facing fire and how to move, how to cover, you know, how to move as a unit and communicate. And this one leader, I mean, to the T, I mean, he was textbook, right. And, um, he did every call, right. Everything, right. But a lot of times in training, the, like Jocko and some of the other trainers were realizing, well, he's behind a bush or he's behind a ridge. He can't even see to make the next call. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He followed it too perfectly. Right. And it's hard to even say that. And that's the whole point of the dichotomy, right? It's like he followed it too perfectly to where it it put him in a position where he did not know how to make a move forward because he couldn't see. Um, And so that's the balance of like, and you'd also don't want to be like, well, I'm just going to figure it out as I go. Um, Because then you're the people that you're leading 
may not understand the words that you're using to communicate. That's why there's procedure, right? So within your procedure, how can you, how can you adapt even within where you're at? Right. And so one day Jocko says, I'm going to come alongside you and just see what you're seeing. And so they get to this position and he's, he finds himself, you know, behind this, behind this barrier where he cannot make a call to safely move his team forward because he doesn't know what's on the other side. And he's like, well, why, He's like, why wouldn't you just take five steps to the left? He's like, well, that's not what the procedure says do. He's like, but also in war, right? Like things don't always go as planned. And so you're, you're basically make, making this like rock solid plan only if the enemy acts the way you plan them out to act. Right. And if we could plan how the enemy would perfectly respond, then we wouldn't have to really ever like have any casualties of war. Right. Cause that's, <laughs> and Jocko always brings us back to the mentality of like it's war. Like you cannot plan for what happens or the surprises or things that happen. Um, and that's so, that's so applicable in the classroom, right? Like you make this perfect plan on how you're going to get your students engaged, um, in your algebra class and you have this activity and well, you didn't plan for that kid to have a bad morning where, um, their mom wasn't at home to wake them up. And so they realized that they, they were late and they walked to school and they didn't eat breakfast. Right. Yeah. Like, unless you're just an awesome planner and you can see the future, like then you just don't plan for that. So then even though you have this awesome lesson, that one student who already is somewhat of a behavioral issue, his behaviors or her behaviors are next level today. Right. And so like you had a plan for them, you just didn't know it was going to be that much. So how do you adapt? Right. Um, And that's the same kind of like in class scenario of what Jocko is talking about in military training. I'll one up you. I bet you you had some awesome plans when your students came back from uh, spring break in uh, spring of 2020. Like that was just going to rock the rest of the school year. You're like, oh "Oh, man, this is going to be wonderful. Like, oh, oh, wait, oh, what? (laughs) Like a little pandemic happened? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is my, that was my time to shine, right? Like that was my fifth year of doing this, this class, same classroom, same subject, you know, uh, same state tests. Like I was, I was in a groove. Right. And then like, now I'm, now I'm just like, I, I guess I have a degree in Google docs, you know? Um, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and that, and that, that was really hard. And like, you don't, yeah. Like I had a rock solid plan, you know, where it didn't, like I almost, you know, didn't have to spend, I wasn't spending every night planning because I've done it before. I know kind of some, some keywords and key examples that get them listening and understanding my biology concept that I needed them to learn. So then now I can't, right? Like I'm recording videos and I'm making, I'm putting in text boxes and worksheets so that they can, they can answer, you know, and their, their engagement drops to a zero, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a prime example. That's awesome. Um, so do you have any more learnings or should we move on to, should we get a little, uh, now, you know, um, let's get into now, you know, all right. So what would you have done differently? So if you, if you were handed this book, like day one of teaching, uh, would you have, um, what would you have done differently? Um, well, if I would have been given to me day one of teaching, it probably would have never been opened. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because I was just straight Maybe. survival mode. That's right. right like yeah. I was, I was willing to, I didn't know how to cover and move. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I really needed that one, you know, cause like 
if you go into, if you go in and I do, let me, let me say this. And as I was prepping for this podcast with you, like the students are not the enemy, right? The students, the students are the team you are leading. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm Jocko, then like, these are my enlisted guys. Right. So how do I, how do I prep them, train them, move them to where they want to go? Common mission. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not the enemy. It's not, I'm, I'm, you know, a Navy SEAL and they're, and they're whatever war we're fighting. Right. Um, Cause I think that would be the wrong analogy to make. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was like, we need to be more of a unit. And like, we talked about this when we did um, um, dream keepers, right? Like how right. do you become a collaborator with your students rather yes. than like fight them and make them work for you. Right. Um, and so I think like um, going back, I, I was under fire a lot. Like I wanted to be the relational teacher, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, you know, essentially be friendly with them. I want them to buy in, you know, to me as a person. And there's just nothing like getting disrespected. You know, right. it's like, it's like a boxer trains really hard and it, everything changes when they get hit in the face. Right. Like, yeah. um, I train really hard. And then when you get hit in the face, it's different. You know, you're like, do I really want to keep getting hit in the face? Um, and a lot of times I just stood there, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, taking bullets, you know, I didn't, I didn't try to figure out where they were coming from, what was causing them, you know? Um, so yeah, like in, in the classroom, um, I was taking bullets from every direction and I, I, I wasn't really able to think, okay, I'm getting attacked how do I figure out where it's coming from? What's causing it? So then I can get some breathing room to then be aggressive back to fix what's attacking me. Right. Right. And I never had that mentality. And so knowing that like, um, would have, would have helped tremendously because I, uh, it was hard. I mean, there was just no other way. And like, I know, and teachers understand it more. Like if a teacher tells another teacher, like, Hey, I get it. It was hard. Right. Like sometimes that works, but even teacher teachers are, you know, the, some of the worst listeners, like I'm not a great <laughs> listener, right? Like we're yeah. the worst students. And, um, but like it's even when you're under attack, you don't, you don't, you cannot realize that other teachers have felt exactly the way you felt like, no, there's no way you felt this bad. Right. And that's the isolating piece that, that makes that so, um, so hard. Right. And so if I would have known and I, and I eventually got some help and you said this earlier is like, how do you go and meet with teachers that have been there a while? Right. Right. And who cares if they're teaching the same subject, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they just been there a while, then like, boom, they have something to tell you. And you actually have to listen and apply. And so something I tell teachers when we bring it in, bring them into our ministry, like, Hey, when you start your job, go out and ask for help. And I think other schools train you for this, right? Like, like teacher training, like go out and learn from the more experienced teachers. But what I say is like, even if you think, the, the advice they gave you won't work. Try it because you, you one show the person that you asked advice with that you actually listened to them and you yes. gave it a shot. Mm-hmm. Right. And then now you have a relationship with an experienced teacher. So now, and when you're hollering at kids because you can't get them under control, 
they're going to, they're going to come check on me. Right. Like they're going to like, okay, this person gave me value by trying my advice, whether it worked or didn't work, who cares? You know, like you're going to figure it out eventually, but like you got to start building the cohort of, of, um, teachers around you. Um, especially they're working with the same students or taught them last year, you know, um, to give you some insight and to give you some backing. And so, yeah, I've been teaching for 20 years and they're giving me a headache too, you know? And, um, and so I think that would have been the faster I could have gotten that the better, you know? Um, cause it was just, I mean, it was hard. Like I, I couldn't get kids quiet. You know, my lessons, uh, went too long. They went too short. Um, and then we changed in the middle of the year, we were doing, we were doing, uh, seven periods and then we changed the blocks at, in January. Wow. Uh, so then like I was just, which I'm, I love blocks. Right. Yeah. So like, um, it was, a, it, I didn't know it was a good thing at the time, but it was good. But I mean, like I couldn't have planned for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, like if my plan was so rigid that I would just break if that changed, like I could adapt to that and make a long, you know, my, yeah. I mean, the kids that are, that are killing me, at least I get to see them every other day now, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so I think, I think that's the biggest thing that, um, if I could, if I had that book a month before I started teaching, yeah, yeah. you know, like I can still care for them and care about the mission, um, of, of giving them an education and also just the time variable. It just takes time to, to win them over and take steps towards the mission, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, just even for me, like I'm kind of an extreme sort of person. So like an Enneagram one, for those of you out there, like always it's like, it's gotta be a certain way and it's really hard for me to let go. And just seeing like how someone as just, I mean, and again, listening to the Jocko podcast for a long time, someone as disciplined as him and being like, you know, you like, let's go on thing. And like, yeah, there's certain things that, Hey, this matters. And then the other stuff, I don't, I don't care. You know? So it's like, there's like, and, and even seeing that reinforced in other places, like with um, Andy Stanley, like, again, I, I like, I look to him too. He's got a lot of good leadership stuff out there. He's got a leadership podcast as well, but he talks about like the honesty. So like with my kids, like honesty, like if you don't lie, lying is about breaking relationships. And like, that is one thing that we're really strict. Like, you know, I, whatever you lied about, like you took an extra cookie, whatever, like if you want a cookie, like, you know, you know, extra candy bar is not going to kill you, but it's like the lying part of it is what we get really the most upset about. And so, you know, thinking about that and thinking about, but what is, where is the compromise and where is the balance and, and learning how to become a better balancer? That's where I'm getting at. Hey, what about being, what about getting a little critical um, about the book? And I think maybe you already touched on this a little bit before, but what would be the major critique of this book? Um, it's hard because it's so well thought out. It's so detailed. And it's like, and it's based off a knowledge of like good leadership. And now it's trying to challenge you to great leadership. Yeah. And it's like you say, rooted in practice that, yeah, keep going. Sorry. It's, yeah. It's rooted. No, you're right. And it's rooted in practice. Um, and like, and in, you know, it's like when you hear whether it's a military example, the more you listen to them, the more it doesn't matter if it's a business example or military example, you just think about your conversation that you had with your friend yesterday or your classroom that you had last week. Like, like it just makes sense. Right. Um, but it's, and like he, I listened, I was listening to one of his podcasts yesterday with the, with an admiral that was with him and, uh, 
in Ramadi. And he was just like, well, did you, were you born with this or did the military teach you this? Right. And so like, that's kind of still blurry to me, right? Like how do you even get to the point where you're good at like trying to balancing the dichotomy? Like, is this, is this something, is this nature or nurture? Uh, obviously it's easy to say both. Um, but it's like, how do you even get people to like, to that point of seeing the, the nuance in, um, in everyday situations. And that's just, that's hard. Right. So like, it's not Jocko's fault that that's hard. He's trying to get there. If I'm making any sense, like, um, it's like, um, like he was giving a lot, he was given a lot of tools, a lot of exposure and a lot of uh, experience and time to fail to then be able to like say this. Right. So it's like, how do I, how do I even halfway catch up to that? Right. Like, now when I listen to him, like, how does he just like, I mean, he would have to plan like five to six hours a day just to do his, his raids when they would go in Ramadi. Right. So like, how is he doing that with business and helping with the military? And like, it's like, I just have to sit in the office and plan, you know, it's either that or it's really natural, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't, I, I wish it was just natural, but you know, then I screw it up all the time. Like maybe it's not natural and I could plan more. Um, Again, that brings me to the dichotomy of, you know, going out there and doing it, but how much time are you spending planning to then go out and do it? You know, I think, I don't even know if that's a real critique. It's just recognizing the difficulty of like how, how hard it is to be a great leader and to continue to be it. You can have great leader moments. How do you day in and day out be that, you know? Yeah. I think um, for me, one of the criticisms could be in, and I know, you know, some people might see this as, glorifying the military glorifying war and stuff like that and, and as a and so like i could see that somebody giving that as a critique but then also like you're missing out on the the leadership learnings of some people that did some things inexperienced like regardless like when i look at a book that someone's written if it's not like especially about teaching if it's not written from the perspective of teachers that are living it and doing it just like you know i, I always call it like ivory tower syndrome or whatever like someone's in the it, it's some usually a school of ed or something and they think oh this is the way to do something and they just have an idea and like go have people try and do it versus no this is something that student teachers have been doing and then working with them we're going to try and get it out because it's good stuff and right amplify it same thing here is like They've seen it in their military experience. They've seen it in the business world and they've decided to, and for 20 bucks to get it in people's hands. Uh, so like the, the critique could be like, Hey, there's this. And and then, you know, then we as teachers have to work to like put it into our context. I don't think it's that much work. Cause like they, they pretty much come, uh, come from you just reading it. You can kind of see how this applies, but that would be one critique I'd have. But, um, but getting back to a point you made though, you think like, how do you, how do you see this like in not having this, um, you know, the unifying uh, thing of being in the military or something. And we talked about this, we joked about this a little bit. Like I actually went and started jujitsu based off of Jocko and like the whole like default aggressive, like dichotomy of default aggressive. Well, if you start going just nuts on the jujitsu mat, just like using all you're going to be spent in 30 seconds versus like, no, I need to be aggressive, but I also need to be still at the same time. And like you, I think you made a good point, like being prepared to act aggressively in, in a moment's notice, like that's kind of like when I would, you know, uh, the, the local, uh, guy, Mike Laborde, who's the uh, local six, six, two jujitsu black belt. He, he, I would, you know, roll around with him and he'd be real 
calm, real slow, but rigid, you know, ready. And all of a sudden I, I do something, miss up like elbow lift or something like that. And all of a sudden, and it's like, I'm tapping out. Cause he's, he was ready. He was, he was just waiting for me to do something like he, he was default aggressive. So getting that sort of uh perspective. So I don't know finding, and maybe that's why he, he does want folks to do some sort of combat sports or something like that, because there is a, that level of up. So like you can see, Oh, that's, that's what he's talking about there. There's, there's some lessons I'm seeing it right now. If I, if I if I'm aggressive all the time, like I'm really not going to last too long in this, uh, in this, uh, arena here. So, and it's unpredictable, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah. You have to, re- you make, it forces you to respond and adapt. Absolutely. Um, and if you're not, a, you know, if you're not adapting in the teacher world, um, then you're getting left behind. That's right. So um, let's let's we're getting close to the end here. So can you sum up in seven words or less uh, the dichotomy of leadership? Yeah, I would say if I can do it. Um, have humility. Be willing to adapt. Win. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Is that seven? Yeah. Yeah. The, the win was a good, the nice capper. That was, a, uh, that was. I think. I think that would make Jocko proud by saying win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And I had established principles, examine the situation, embrace balance. So yeah. I think we both did a pretty good job there. Again, that's like, that's, uh, right. that's the same as um, Michael Pollan's in Defensive Food, where he summed his book up with eat food, not too much, and mostly plants. So I like doing that. I think it's a good exercise. So you're an yeah. experienced teacher, Daniel. So what's, what's one thing you do, the best thing you do to help your teaching? Um, well, I... I look at the previous lesson or previous unit and I look at, okay, what parts engage them? What, where did I lose them? Right. Um, so like one, one baby example was like my board was just too far away from my students so on the days that I use my board. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I had to turn my back to them to then walk up to the board. And I had this like desk in between me and the students and me and the board and the students. Right. So I would lose them on those days. Right. And I'm like, so when you look back to recent things, like, okay, what got them going? Why did they like it? Right. It wasn't, it wasn't always because, Oh, they just liked Punnett squares, you know? Um, (laughs) it, it was because of like, um, but Punnett squares are nice because there is less vocab and it's more practice, right. It's more like math. Like I can, I can give them the same concept, with a thousand different problems and they can work it right. It's just something they're trying to complete. And so, um, I, which I always say is a luxury of math, right? Like you can just make up a problem and it's the same thing. You just change the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like when you get the opportunity that as like a science teacher, um, to put that in practice. Right. And like, um, and another, you know, thing is like, students if you give a poll every year like okay welcome to science class what do you want to do this year experiments right and it's like experiments are the hardest thing to do as a teacher in my opinion as a science teacher because mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're state tested because a lot of times experiments don't they don't teach right like they let you experience um and they or you could use them to introduce you know uh-huh. but like they don't always perfectly cover or even I'm using experiments lightly, like as an activity, hands-on, right. They don't always cover everything you need, you know? Um, and so just learning to balance that, but also, you know, kids are asking for it. So how do you give them what they want, but then also give them what they need? Um, and so I think 
I think kind of those two things um, are are something that I, when I look back on, you know, my teaching and experiencing, you know, um, that those would be super, super important, you know, especially just like, there's just so many little things like the board thing and uh, the distance away. Right. Or, um, or like letting kids know, like I've, I've been doing this recently. Like I have, I have, uh, so I'm teaching environmental science. Um, and it's, it's really cool. Cause like, we're hands-on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like we we're, we're building these aquariums and terrariums, and my only rule is like the only animals that can go in there are animals that we find on the school grounds, you know. And so we have toads, we have crawfish, we have tadpoles, um, awesome. we have catfish in the ditch. Like how crazy is that? Right. <laughs> so like wow. So like, um, and this is like so different from me teaching biology where I'm having to like crush standards and pace so that I can have a certain amount proficiency, certain amount pass, get kids to advance, like state test stuff. Right. So like I get to let, I get to let them kind of be a little bit more lax and carry out and do some of the experimental stuff, you know, but like every day we, we take a trip to our traps in the ditch and we do all this stuff. So the kids really, really enjoy it. But I, I have this one student who asked to be in my class and, um, and he's kind of just been a trouble student, you know, he's kind of, and I, I know his brother, I know his sister, uh, I taught them for four years and, um, and coached them. And like, he's just kind of lost right now. And like, yeah. but I can't, I can't give up discipline. Right. Like, right. even though I have a lax class, it's, it's probably easier for him to think, okay, this is a lax class. I can kind of like get there late. I kind of like do that because like, Mr. Myrick, it's not like this worksheet class, you know, like, Right. Yeah. So I have to hold my ground for him, you know, and so I've been doing that. Right. So like, I, you know, he got to my class late. I said, go get a tardy, tardy slip. And he got a write up. And so he hasn't missed my class the next day. Right. Which he enjoys going out and doing the fun stuff. Right. So, um, and so I got to hold my ground on the discipline, even though I don't want to do that. Right. Like I don't want, I'm like, man, this is not the time to be like, giving him bad news or disciplining, right? Because he's already having a hard time. And, um, but then uh, when other kids are late, I make sure he sees that I'm treating them the same, right? Yeah. So I'm not treating him like he's this trouble kid. So I'm going to be harder on him, right? right? Like life, like life in Mr. Myers' room is not out to get him, you know? And so I had a, I had a student who just came late and I said, go get your slip, you know, you know? Um, and like, I, I watched him see that, like, and I said, you know, see, I'm treating everybody like this, you know, everybody yeah. gets in trouble when you're late, you know, and like, he can, he's cool with that. Right. Like, um, right now, you know, being missing an ISS is like kind of normal to him right now. And so not that that's a good thing. Right. But like, um, it wasn't like life shattering, you know, to discipline, but then also for him to see that you're going to treat everyone else the same you know? Uh Um, and so that would be something I've grown to, to recognize and do, um, and experience. And, and it's not emotional for me, like to be able to do that. And then once he sees that I treat everyone the same, it's less emotional for him, you know, not emotional, but thoughtful. Like that. I love hearing hearing all the thought that you put behind it. All right. Right. So Daniel, I know we, uh, we have something to promote here. Can you, uh, talk about that with reclaim? Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So Reclaim Project, um, we are a nonprofit. We raise funds to like we have seven apartments um, in um, in Marks, Mississippi, where teachers pay um, $250 a month to live. And that's utilities, rent, Wi-Fi, everything. And every year they complete with us, we give them half back. Right. So essentially it costs them $1,500 a year to live, which makes it attractive. So we can interview and be rigorous with who we're bringing in. And, um, but to run a ministry, keep the lights on, run programming downstairs, buy iPads for kids and buy reading programs. Like, I don't know if, and I, this is a tidbit, we've been using reading plus and it's really cool. It's worth checking out. Joel. Nice. And, uh, and like, but buying that program is really expensive. It's like, 60 to $80 a kid, you know? Um, and so that kind of stuff we got to raise funds for. And so last year during COVID, we did an online raffle, uh, and it was really great. We raffled off some crazy, awesome prizes and the top being a Ford Bronco, uh, 2021 Ford Bronco. And, um, I'm gonna say this now that the guy who won the Bronco bought one ticket. (laughs) <laughs> all right so like can you imagine and like we covered the taxes on it and everything like um nice. and so we also raffled off a golf cart a peloton um and then we offered off we raffled off a um safari uh trip in south africa because the other half of our ministry um, is in Lesotho, Africa and basically it's these care centers for orphans but it's not an orphanage it's the care centers where the church ladies and pastors are looking after these kids after school, feeding them, tutoring them, making sure they have their needs met. Um, and so the part of our fundraising goes to that as well. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. And, and COVID, I'll just say this COVID um, this was kind of a blessing in disguise where right? everyone can be negative about COVID, but like COVID uh, also made our, our, uh, reclaim people in Africa had to come home and like the ministry in Africa just kept going. Right. So like, that's the dream is like, how, how can good things happen? And the people that help kind of kickstart that or incubate it, like don't have to always be there. There's an exit. Right. That's a good sign. Yeah. Now you have local churches and church ladies making crafts to help pay for the students. And we just built out a care center not a care center, a skills training center. So now this year is the first year that we're going to have kids that have grown up through our program to actually graduate from school. And now we get to give them a trade. So like, you know, they can learn to sew, they can learn to farm. And upon their completion of that, we're going to give them equity. We're going to give them so many sheep, you know? And so that way sheep allows them to be get married. They can sell, um, they can shave for their uh, wool. They can do all different things with which starts to create income for them to lift them out. And now they're equipped to, to um, now they're equipped to like support and love the family that they, you know, have or grow or grow to have. Um, so anyways, our raffle um, helps us pay for all of these different things that we have going on. And uh, so this year, our, our top prize is the this awesome new golf cart. Um, and then we have, um, we have a $5,000 credit to a travel company. Um, and we have a whitetail deer hunt, uh, where you get to go and, and kill a trophy deer. And, um, that's in, um, that's in, was it, uh, Michigan. 
and then uh, which is a really really cool experience and that's valued at ten thousand dollars right wow. so like um and then there's um then there's uh the tempo uh the tempo is really, really cool i own one and that's why i pushed to put this in our uh raffle that's so like one of those mirror ones things yeah it's like a, it's like a mirror but better okay um it's like so it's an a-frame um, uh-huh. and so like with a it's about six foot tall with a touch screen that's uh vertical and um you have a mat like a yoga mat that you put six feet away from it and you pick a program pick a workout it counts your reps it's almost like facial recognition it's not a video of you but it picks up your joints yeah, so yeah. it knows your reps and it knows if you have bad form, it tells you like how to correct it. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically cool. like it's a home gym and everything stacks behind it. So I don't have a room dedicated to a gym. I don't have space like that at my house. So it just sits in the corner of our living room and we just pull the mat out whenever we want to do a workout. All the weights are stored at the bottom. You can't even see it. And the bars are stored behind it, right? Nice. So it's just this like white or black thing that you have catty cornered in your room that you're like doesn't look like a gym. You know, so it's really, really cool nice. and it recommends your weights. And obviously I'm, I love it cause I'm still talking about it. Yeah, um, yeah. and then, uh, the last thing is a Traeger grill, uh, for oh, yeah. grill, grill enthusiasts. And it's, it's uh Wi-Fi connected, <laughs> right? So you, a Traeger, if you don't know, you plug it in, uh, and it has wood pellets, right? So you can still smoke, still Regulate grill that temperatures low and slow, but it's, but it's, it works like an oven. Yeah, tastes yeah. like the grill works like a oven. maybe that should be their slug there you go and but you can control it from your phone from your house and you don't have to awesome. go outside so lots um, of cool things so, cool and, and so how that works is the minimum that you can spend to buy an entry and you don't have you can pick which one you want to want to um buy a raffle for but it's, the minimum is 25 dollars, and that gets you 10 names so like if joel buys buys one for the tempo he puts in $25 and Joel's name is written down 10 times but the more you spend the more of a discount of names you get written down cool that makes sense mm-hmm. uh and that's that's reclaimproject.org at the very top you'll see the raffle site cool we'll put a link in the show notes so everyone can uh get access to that and maybe get, yeah. The, uh, yeah, get yeah. a chance at a tempo or uh the that's hunt right. or w- the golf cart whatever awesome cool oh, stuff and it ends december 14th midnight december 14th and then uh what's cool too is thinking about where the funds are going to when you're describing that these sounds like sustainable things sustainable solutions to the to um thinking about how do we supply teachers within a community how do we care for some uh kids without parents in in africa and like the thing is what we're seeing there is like common understanding like of caring for kids in their communities uh, and helping the communities help create these uh, sustainable solutions. So pretty awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. That's all I have for this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. Love that Daniel was able to join me and to talk about uh, Jocko and Leif's book, The Dichotomy of Leadership. Again, Lots of links uh, or lots of different episodes of the Amazon Planet podcast that we mentioned. Um, and then also lots of opportunities that Daniel mentioned to support the Reclaim Project. All the links to everything that we mentioned are going to be in the show notes, which can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 59. And if you're ever looking for show notes, just go to amazonplanet.com and there's a little search thing. You can search for whatever you can think about with regards to the episode. You can probably find it. 
we try to also link them, uh, link the different episodes together that mention each other. So all those links, again, can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 59. Now, if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can do what you always do, subscribe, rate, and review. Maybe you want to share um, the podcast because you want people to learn about Reclaim Project and all the sustainable solutions that they're coming up with to help kids in the world, really, in Africa and here in Mississippi. You want to share this uh, raffle opportunity or even just want to think about how to support uh, the Reclaim Project beyond uh, beyond this raffle opportunity. There's many ways you can do that. Just, again, head to the show notes. You can find those links there. But one way is to share this podcast episode and let more people hear about Daniel and more people hear about the opportunities that uh, are the things that the great things that they're doing through the reclaim project. So, but if you're looking for just ways to support the podcast, you can also just subscribe, rate and review to the podcast. Sharing it is also good. Like I just said, you can um, subscribe to the Amino planet download. You can uh, hit find buttons to do that on our Facebook page or on uh, amidonplanet.com. Uh, that's another thing you can do is like our Facebook page. You can get updates that way through all the social media content we put out. You can also find Amazon Planet at Amazon Planet on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Finally, if uh, one other thing you can do is if you're looking for another way to support is you can shop the Amazon Planet store, Amazon Planet bookshop. Links are in the footer at AmazonPlanet.com. So you just go ahead all the way to the bottom of the website. So if you're looking for something that be the good swag, it's still available. Looking to change up the swag and make it a little bit more prominent. Doing a little work on the logo, but I don't know. You don't need to know that right now. But anyway, if you're looking for ways to support, you can buy a book through the Amazon Planet Bookshop, which supports independent bookstores. We like independent bookstores, as you can probably tell. Or the Amazon Planet Store, that's through Bonfire. Um, that's swag stuff. So all of that, again, all the proceeds for those purchases go to support the production costs of the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. Again, show notes can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 59. Thanks to Daniel Myrick for sharing uh, his time and expertise. Hey, and thanks to Jocko for just doing all the things that he does because it led to this podcast, led to us, uh, Daniel and I having this conversation, led to previous conversations on this episode. And, and just, yeah, like the work that he's done um, and it's obviously led me to start this podcast. So I'm really thankful. And Leif, too. Leif does a good job as well. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.